this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. What's up, people? Welcome back to Rebound and Safety. Let's jump into the intro. I'll tell you some more about today's episode. The problem in safety isn't deviation, it's complexity. Health and safety has gone mad. Health and safety is trying to unpick having gone mad in the past. There's no one solution and one problem. The problem is that we are looking for one solution. Does the structure of the team allow them to flourish? Feel safe enough to be uncomfortable. The environment defines our behaviours. People aren't the problem, they're the solution. Rebranding safety, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk What's up peeps, welcome back to Rebranding Safety. Rebranding Safety is a YouTube channel and podcast doing exactly what it says on the tin. So if you're new here, hit that subscribe button and all the magical algorithm buttons, whatever it is, we appreciate it. Today we're talking to an amazing guy called Prakash. Prakash has got an amazing brain and knowledge and passion for tech, AI and safety and he's using all of those to create some amazing uh, bits of work basically. That's probably the best I could do in my lack of techie knowledge uh, to explain it. And why would I want to explain it? Because we're going to talk about it in today's episode. So today we're going to talk primarily about AI in safety, where it is, what it looks like, the risk, how do we use it, and so on and so forth. Before we do that though, let's get into a quick message from our sponsors. Paradigm Human Performance, and more specifically, the HSC Subscription Service is a sponsor of Rebound and Safety. HSC Subscription Service from Paradigm is the absolute nailed on perfect solution for small, medium-sized enterprises who want to put worker safety as a core DNA of their organization. If you're a small, medium-sized enterprise, it's quite likely that you're juggling a hell of a lot of balls and sometimes safety just one ball that you just can't you can't keep track of. Ultimately, everything that we do in safety is built on a foundation of compliance. It is there. It is It is what we have to do. If we're not compliant, we're going to get shut down and we can't do anything. You cannot move on to human organizational performance. If you have safety two, new view, whatever, without a foundation, a scaffold of compliance and all the technical safety stuff. And that is is what the HSE subscription service is absolutely nailing for you. Paradigm Human Performance's subscription service is not going to be an off-the-shelf compliance package. It's going to have hot woven throughout it because that's what they are, human organizational performance experts. So if you're king and if you think this is right for you, you can call them directly on the phone number in the in the description below. And you can email them on the email address in the description below. If you're still not sure, you can go check them out at their website also in the description below. And if you do go to the website, make sure you check out the Learning Organization webinars and outstanding resource. Without further ado, let's get into my chat with the amazing Prakash. Right, Prakash, welcome to Rebranding Safety. Hi, how are you doing, James? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Thank you very much. Not bad. Um, let's get, we have not planned this conversation whatsoever. We, we had a little bit of an introduction call and we ended up talking for like nearly an hour. Um, so we thought, screw it, let's just do that again and see what happens. Um, so that is yep. to that. These are my favorite types of conversation as well. The ones where you no plan, no subject, just let's see where this goes. Um, sure. But we're obviously going to talk around kind of AI and technology in the safety industry, because that's what you do. So without further ado, why don't you give us an introduction to yourself and then also the work that you're doing. And then I think from there, my curiosity will, will keep yep. us going and then your your good intellectual answers will, will keep us going as well. Uh, no, certainly. I can do the first part. I don't know about the second part. <laughs> but um, yeah, so look, I'm, I'm Prakash Singhani. Um, I'm based out of Dubai and I, I wear a couple of hats. Um, so I guess my day job is um, I work with a large consultancy and um, doing sort of program management consulting in the construction space. 
where um, I specifically look at how we can digitize the things that we do to make them safer, improve quality, add value. And that's across the piece, right? That's not just in safety, that's in um, project management, that's in design, that's in construction, that's in operations. Um, so it's it's part of this sort of wave of digital transformation that we're seeing in the industry. Um, the second hat, and literally I'm wearing it, um, is um, <laughs> I've, I've got uh, I've founded a startup um, where we've developed an artificial intelligence uh, powered safety management system, um, which utilizes essentially utilizes a chatbot as its main interface to capture safety information and also to disseminate it back out. Um, and, and we can talk a little bit in about uh, uh, detail about uh, it in the uh, later on if we want. Um, and then the third hat, I guess, is, is tying those two things together. It's also I've started investing in construction technology. And my personal interest is in how um, technology can be utilized to make things safer, right? That's I have a huge passion around um, utilizing technology to make things that we do safer. Um, our, our industry is known as being one of the biggest killers um, in, uh, globally in any other industry. And I've personally been affected by it. Um, so my dad suffers from a long-term injury um, that he picked up whilst working in the construction. And I've worked on projects where um, people have unfortunately lost their lives and, and seen the impact that that's had on not just the team, the immediate team, but the family and, and, and the project as a whole. Yeah, so this is, this is driven personally for you as well. And and yeah. and passion as well. I think you've got quite a passion for tech and stuff, haven't you? Last week, I have. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I guess any anybody who who knows me um, says that I've got this uh, sort of infectious enthusiasm. And and uh, most of the time, it's it's around tech um, um, and specifically around construction technology. I'm a huge advocate of the utilization of technology where where it's going to add value. Um, and I guess. Uh, where where I really think that I've succeeded is I I, I sort of able I'm able to see where technology can be applied to a problem rather than just saying okay this is a cool piece of tech let's try and find somewhere where we can apply it right mm -hmm. so I, I I tend to try and approach it from from the angle of okay here's a problem what technological solutions are out there or could we put a couple of them together to try and solve this problem um, so I, I I guess yeah that's that's what I enjoy doing I've got definitely got a huge amount of passion and enthusiasm for those those things before we go any further i'm really curious what is that massive cannon behind your head <laughs> this one here yeah that's a that's a that's my telescope um that looks so awesome. it is it's a it's a really really uh, fantastic piece of kit actually um so uh, it's one of these telescopes where you can um, basically you tell it what time it is um give it roughly your gps uh, coordinates um, and then point it at three stars, and so it knows where it is in the world. And then you can just say, okay, uh, point at Mars, and, there, and there's a robot inside it. There's a ro robotics inside it that basically guides you and points points the telescope at Mars, and then it'll follow it all night as well. So it'll track no it way. And can you yeah, yeah. what what can you see when it when it like you look for it and it, you say point it at Mars, for example? Like how yeah. detailed can you see? Out of that? So Mars Mars comes up, I guess, um, probably. It's tiny, right? Uh, you got you got to remember it's tiny. But you can uh, when Mars was at its closest, um, uh, 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 like towards the end of last year, you could make out the fact that it had a white cap, uh, uh, an ice cap at the top of Mars. It, it was really really small, but you yeah. could make that out. Um, but obviously, things like the Moon, um, yeah. you can see the rings of Saturn on it. Um, you can see the red spot on Jupiter. You could make it out. Um, that, uh, that's on it. So it's pretty pretty decent, pretty detailed. 
That's sick, man. I knew it was something cool. I was looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> if that's not like a prototype Iron Man blaster or an epic kind of something. We... <laughs> no, no. I, so, yes, that's another thing that I, that I really sort of got into. Actually gotten into over this whole uh, lockdown period over the last year um, is sort of astrophotography. And um, I've always been fascinated with space. Um, never really, never had an opportunity to own a telescope. And just before we went into lockdown, I moved jobs. And I, re- and I rewarded myself um, with, with this. I, I bought myself a telescope. And uh, cool. yes, we really good because uh, it's, uh, we've had, I've had time right in the evenings because we're not going anywhere. I've had time in the, in the nighttime to play around with it and get, get up to scratch with it. Yeah, that's funny, man. I think there's so many people that have kind of just gone, you know, I've always wanted to do that. So I'm just going to do like, the, the, don't get me wrong. People have really suffered through this pandemic and, and my heart goes out to all of them. But you know, you, you've got to take the wins out of these horrible times, haven't you? And I think so many people have had a realisation to do mm. do the things that they wish they'd always done or pick up the hobby that they wish. I, you know, for me, obviously, we make videos all the time. So I've got a pretty good camera sitting in the house. And as a kid, I used to love taking photos of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I never really took it up. But like through learning YouTube, majority of them are like mad photographers as well. So I'm just, I'd love to be able to take good photos. Yeah. I just started doing it. I just thought, I'm just going to, I've got a camera. When I walk the dog in the morning or, or go for a walk or whatever, I'm just going to take my camera with me, get over yeah. that social awkwardness of like this guy taking photos and just take some photos and see what happens. And now yeah. I'm like, it's, it's bad really because I haven't got time, but I'm so addicted to it now. Yeah. Like yeah. Ed, taking a photo, but, bring it back in, editing it and processing yeah. it. And, and I'm just like, oh my God, look at this. Like, And obviously yeah. we just had a baby girl. She's like seven months old. So taking photos of her is like just so much fun. That's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. And I think it, and, and it was similar to this, right? Learning learning what all of these different acronyms and that mean and, mm. and what they do, like your, your ISO and... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah there's a focal lens and all of that stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel you i get it yeah 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 you become geeks of something else now <laughs> yeah i think it's in our it's in our nature right when you're a geek in one thing you, you generally there'll be a there'll be a number of different areas that you can go and geek out in as well right yeah you're just you're just a geek in general you're just a geek in general. <laughs> definitely, definitely yeah uh, and sorry i was going to say just you mentioned like people taking up things and and trying to trying to make the best out of a bad situation and i guess yeah. that's that's what it's been with safety.ai as well, right? So okay. we, we kind of we kind of started it up um a year before um mm-hmm. the whole COVID situation. And then just throughout um the, the whole pandemic era, uh, period, um we've been able to um spend a little bit more time on it just because you know we've had the evenings and, and the weekends yeah, and not yeah, yeah. doing not, not doing other things. Um uh, and and because it's something that we enjoy, um that is, uh, so me and my partners and the co-founders. Um, we've we've been able to accelerate. I think I I don't think that we would be where we are today with it if it hadn't been for the pandemic. Mate, I can relate to that. Me, me and my uh, business partner, we launched Project Millennium mid COVID, mid lockdown. We'd actually not met each other face to face before we had. I think we had like three customers, and we'd still not met. We were joint directors of the company and, and so on and so forth. We'd launched, we got people paying the bills and and we were just like, you know what? We've never actually met. How, how crazy is that? But yeah. COVID gave us this opportunity. We were talking before COVID, but we, we didn't launch a business. Obviously we launched halfway through, um, but we'd never met. And then, but, but what COVID gave us the opportunity is 
just time like you say you know in the evenings we're just sitting here so i was just like right i, I do need to spend time with my family <laughs> but other than that let's slot out some times where we can make this work and yeah. you know sometimes you just all three of us are just sitting around going we haven't got anything to do so i'm just like oh man i'm just gonna go and do some work on project Millennium. Yeah. and yeah. you know it's gone nuts and it's just yeah. i'm i'm personally again you know doesn't devalue the kind of the horrible things that have happened to people and the amount of lives we've lost. But for me personally, in so many ways, COVID has actually been a saving grace. Like with my baby girl as well, like she was born, you know, mid pandemic. I've had an extended paternity leave because I'm working from home. So I'm with her every single day, which most men, unfortunately, or, or the, the other partner that's not, that's, that's going back to work that's having the paternity leave kind of section and you get mm-hmm. two weeks you know yeah. so if you're that if you're that kind of co-parent kind of co-partner that's not the one staying at home you get two weeks covid has given me an opportunity to spend every single day with her it's like yeah. in between zoom calls i can just jump yeah. in have a quick cuddle and then come back yeah. to work yeah, yeah. You, you're never going to get you never get that opportunity otherwise you would never have got that opportunity so no exactly. I, I, i'm the same with you i've i've been personally affected by by covid um a very close friend. The, the reason we, we we're doing this call now and didn't do it a month ago was because we went through a bereavement and a very close yeah. friend of mine here in in, in dubai unfortunately oh, sorry i'm not doing it um and but but having said that right if if you take some of that that there is obviously huge amounts of sadness across the world and and it's still continuing um, if we bring it back to a to a personal level, there's lots of stories like this, right? Where they've got the people have rediscovered the time with their family, or rediscovered a hobby, um, uh, uh, taken up gardening, or like like taken up other things. And and also um, there's also the other flip side of like the mental health aspect, right? There's people saying that their mental health has deteriorated because of it. But I'm also hearing the opposite as well: is people have now become a lot less stressed. Um, uh, because of work and that, so look, I think that there's 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 good and bad in, in in everything, and you've got to try and make the best of every situation that you get handed, right? And 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 that's all you can do. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, mate. Right, let's get into this then. So, yep. you are doing AI and safety. I'm going to kick us off with a with a very strong statement <laughs> that, that I think we we I kicked us off in our last chat with. Um, but this this. Uh, how do I put this? I I love technology. Like I love it. I see it. I'm not. I'm not. Am I? Am I a tech geek? Like I love how I love seeing what technology can do. Like mm-hmm. I just. I'm. I'm just so amazed sometimes when I see something and I'm just like, now that's cool. Now that's really cool. You know. And I, and I love. You know, a great example of technology fixing a problem. A, a great example of technology in COVID is right now. You know, you're yep. going to sit in a pub and they're doing um, ordering. Well, in the UK at least, ordering um, your drinks and stuff over the phone. Personally, I'm, I'm a social person, but like I could do with not being social all the time. So sometimes I'm just like I don't want to get up and go to the bar and do that. Sometimes I do, but I would like the option to just sit on my phone and go, "I want this, 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 and this." Thank you very much. Bring it over. Yep. So for me, I'm like yes and then you know some of the technology like like i say doing photography and stuff i'm just like wow that's amazing the stuff it can do is phenomenal yeah but in safety it makes me a little bit nervous and it's not the tech that's the problem in my Mm -hmm. in my opinion it's not that's not the tech that makes me it's how we use it so i'm seeing a lot of like stuff coming up and i've had loads of people message me and what i'm seeing a lot of precaution and 
and I think we spoke about this before, is tech being used to just do the same old crappy safety that we've done for so long. Like, oh, we've got these AI cameras or whatever in, and that's going to highlight when the worker is not wearing PPE, and that puts it in their record, and then we we talk about it in a meeting. So we just punish the worker. And now it's just like, I'm just like, man, this just sounds like some kind of, some kind of like, blade uh blade runner kind of scenario do you know what i mean where we're just gonna have all these cameras just watching workers and then it's like sounds like slave labor and it's just horrible so yeah. i'm really excited about tech but at the same time a little bit nervous that we use it in the wrong way like how, how do, do you what do you, one do you agree and two if you do how do you kind of keep that in mind as you're working yeah. and developing in this space I completely agree with you, and and it's it's not just in construction. This is an issue, right? It's an, uh, the use, the utilization of of tech cuts both ways in in everything. Um, look at social media, for example, right? Mm-hmm. There's one aspect of it is it helps you keep connected with people all around the world, and and then there's so many positive aspects of it. But then you've got things like um, election rigging and and um, uh, reinforcing, uh, yeah, reinforcing um, stereotypes and things like that, right? Reinforcing negative messages and and, and things like that. So. Look, it, and, and to to the sort of crux of it, it's, it's all around people and, and procedures. And, and you touched on it in terms of safety, where yeah, you've got this fantastic tech, and you're talking about vision learning, right? It's a, it's a subset of artificial intelligence where um, you can take photographs uh, or video streams, and the computer can automatically start analyzing it and start spotting um, problems and things like that. And one of the biggest sort of touted ones that um, in the infinite wisdom. These, these sort of tech guys have come up with is that, yeah, look, our, our system can spot when people are doing stuff wrong and then you can go and then uh, administer them. And people, that's because these guys are tech guys who, who've come up with a technological solution and are looking for a problem to apply it to, yeah. not the other way around where, okay, we're looking at how do you solve um, uh, safety, right? And safety is about people. It's about people wanting to do the right thing. It's about people not wanting to harm others and, and kill people. And it's about people uh, sharing experiences. For me, safety is all about sharing lessons learned, right? You can't, you're never going to be able to get away from things going wrong, right? Just human nature, circumstances, the world, stuff stuff is going to, unfortunately, is going to happen. What you can do, though, is minimize the risk of it happening by eliminating some of it completely or by making sure that when it's when stuff does happen, you learn about it. Or when you do good things, you teach other people the, what those good things are. And I think so the, the, that's the sort of angle that we're approaching safety.ai with is we're trying to, one, democratize safety, right? We're trying to make safety everybody's responsibility, not just people with safety in their title. That's something that's really, really important to me. And I think that the barrier to that at the moment is the interfaces that we've got. So these interfaces, one, are controlled by safety management people, and two, they are so cumbersome and frictionful. And so I just want to take that away completely. And so the reason that we've sort of chosen a a text-based chat application type of interface is because people are used to doing that in their everyday lives, right? How many many times a day do you open up WhatsApp and and message your mates and, and do stuff about it? And actually, on a lot of the projects that I work on, um, there's WhatsApp groups for safety. People are sending pictures and discussing um, issues and incidents that are happening around safety. And what I want to do is just bridge those those two things together and just get everybody involved. And because it's almost like this informal text-based communication, I think people let their guard down a little bit. And that really helps in terms of sharing ideas, sharing best practices, and, and people are, I think, and, I'm, and what we are seeing are one, 
are more willing to do it. So we're getting more and more data. And then two, they you're you're getting better insight into it rather than rather than if you have to go and sit down formally in front of a desktop, fill out this very formal looking form. Um, the the way that you type, the psychology of what you're typing in it is very formal as well, right? So I think you lose a little bit um, of the knowledge and the and the lessons learned from that. Mm. This is fascinating. I, I I think how so so your kind of process is is kind of for, in a, from a very layman's point of view, and this might be offensive to the amount of work you put in, but to me it sounds very similar to you know when you talk to like a on a website and it's like get help, and that's like an AI. It's quite obviously an AI. It, it feels like it's like that in a, in a safety so. version. Very very much so, and and I don't take offense to that to that at all. Um, and that's exactly what we're trying to do, right? Is is like you just mentioned, you're used to talking to a chatbot when you're when you're on an e-commerce site or something like that, or you're on an insur- you're about to buy insurance for your car, this little thing pops up and then you and you're talking to it. And you're right. Uh, um currently about 60 or 70% of those interactions um are with a machine learning enabled chatbot. And that's exactly yeah. what we want to do here. And then um the other element of what we're doing is you know, sometimes when you're filling out some sort of form to do with safety, you get a massive drop-down list. Maybe like there's 20 or 30 different options. Like if you're if if we're trying to get everybody involved in safety, you're not necessarily going to know what the right answer is from a list of 30, right? Unless you're specifically being trained to know that this thing has got to do with um behaviors or this thing has got to do with working at height. Like, you know, like you're not you're not going to know unless you're a part of the profession. And so the other element of what we're doing is using what people have inputted um, previously. So when they've talked to the bot to do with something, is to reduce that list down to what the top five are by, by using previous data to predict what the answer might be. So that helps in two ways. One, it helps to improve the quality of the data because what we found is that when you've got these massive lists, people just pick the top one or just randomly pick something which diminishes the quality of the data. And the other thing is that it makes it quick, right? People have to think less um, about about which one to choose from this 30 and they only have to pick from let's say a, a curated list of five um that that gets stronger and stronger so that prediction gets stronger the more it's used because we're using machine learning models mm. how, how do you kind of how do you kind of get it to like learn the the right thing like do you know what, when you said about the visual learning thing right yeah. do you know what what piqued my interest there when you said that it's like it reminds me of like the whole profiling shit that we got in like the terrorism kind of aviation space and like mm-hmm. the amount of people that that were kind of wrongly judged based just on the profile of what they visually looked like if we'd have give that into and then maybe they did but if we'd have give that into like an, a visual learning system jesus Anyone yeah. of a certain, you know, of a certain color, you know, facial uh, hair, long hair, yeah. and so on. Right. I just, yeah, you would just get pinged straight away, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, yeah, you yeah, get yeah. Pinged, and you're just like, dude, I'm just trying to go to fucking Spain just to have a break. Yeah. Like, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And it's kind of so for me, it was kind of like we make these mistakes as humans. Like, we think that's a good idea. It makes sense. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, that would help us identify stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we put that into a machine and that keeps learning and keeps learning. And then next thing you know, you've just got like a purely racist system. Like how do you kind of stop 
stuff like that happening in safety and maybe that's not a good example maybe it is but like you know how as you're building your your system and you're maybe keeping that in mind how do you because that scares me that's what scares me is it learning the wrong lesson and, they, and it scares me as well. And so what, what you touched on is bias, right? It's, it's, it's a bias in your training data. Um, and, and and unfortunately, as humans, we all have it, right? We, we, get, we get ingrained if we're in, uh, with bias from lots of, lots of sources. Um, sometimes we, it, it comes from our parents, right? Our parents' biases um, get totally. imposed upon us. We get um, biases from the media, everything that we're reading. And so if you're reading a certain type of thing, and this is where social media is really, really dangerous, right? Because it, it tends to curate and give you stuff that matches the way that you think is not yeah. really a diversity of thought. And so it reinforces some of the biases that you've got. And when um, obviously these algorithms um, and machine learning code are coded by people, right? Um, and those people's biases end up inside the algorithms, right? So you end up uh, putting, putting these, uh, essentially baking these um, biases in. And there's lots of examples of what you just mentioned about how um, uh, AI systems inherently become racist and homophobic and uh, sexist, right? There's huge examples. Um, there's uh, like recruitment is a is a perfect example. I've, I've got a friend um, who's uh, who's got a startup called Work Panda, and he's looking at how he can introduce um, AI um, into the recruitment process within construction. And you've got to be so careful because so let's let's say you train your your um, uh, 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 algorithms to spot the best candidates for um, I don't know crane operator, right? We know that currently most of the crane operators are male. So their CVs, their profiles and everything, all the data that you're going to have is going to be biased towards a male uh, who's probably going to be um, of, a, of a fairer complexion, right? And so when you train your algorithm, it, it gets used to looking for things that are going to, be, are going to be applicable to that trait. So then when it sees a CV from somebody who doesn't match that profile, it automatically derates them. And then it, and it reinforces this constantly. And then if that, if that, then they get the job, that goes into the training pile for the next one, all right? And so you can see how this can get very, very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And then the same thing happens, right? So there's lots of examples of how, like, facial recognition, for example, is rubbish at recognizing dark-skinned women, right? So it because majority of the data that is being trained upon has been um, light-skinned males, right? So it'll recognize light-skinned males really, really well. Um, there's reports on how Alexa... Um, doesn't uh, respond to women as well as it does to men because it's been oh, wow. programmed by men, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's, there's scientific reports, right, that's, that show how Alexa is basically responding better when a male uh, gives a command because it's been trained on the way males speak, some of their phrases and what they understand, right? And 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 this all goes to, um, sort of speaks to the imbalances and the, the inequalities in in some of these uh, some of these fields like computing and stuff like that. So, Going back to your question, right? How do we how do we try and stop this? One is recognizing that it exists. So look, the fact that you brought it up, the fact that you know that it exists, and and me being in this in, in this sort of space and knowing that it exists, I think that's the first step, right? Is not burying your head in the sand and not pretending that this isn't a problem. And then, so I get I guess it starts with that. And then there are certain tools that you can do, right? So there are now actually AI tools that you can use to help you take out some of the bias. So you can sort of almost generate uh, AI data, which helps you fill in the gaps for um, data, uh, for uh, areas where you've got a weakness. And, and I'll give you a perfect example. So when we, when we were training our algorithms to predict hazard types, um, an overwhelming number of hazard types were to do with housekeeping, right? Because that's the most popular 
observation that people make, right? When when they when they're recording observation, housekeeping seems to be the one that that goes on the top. And so um, our algorithm was like at ninety eight percent accurate when when we had a problem with um, uh, housekeeping. But for things like um, a lack of signage, because that's such a rare observation, it was it was something like sixty two percent accurate. So we had to start inventing um, uh, training data so that we could bring up. The, the the one for signage, for example, or lack of signage, and actually cut out some of the um, housekeeping one so that we can have a balance of the training data. So there's things that, there's tools like that that you can use to start taking up the bias, but understanding that it exists and knowing that it's there, I think that's the, that's the, that's the start. And I suppose you could take a lot of those lessons from humans because we do that. Like we, our accident data has led us for so many years and yeah. we, and, and, and now we're like, oh, look at all these slips trips that we're getting and, and housekeeping is the main call. I mean, and don't get me wrong, you know, there's stuff you need to manage They you do need to manage that stuff. I get that, but it shouldn't be hard to manage that stuff. Like, but my point here is that we put so much time, effort and resources into the low risk stuff because they're more common we end up under resourcing uh, significant risk, which then ultimately, you know, cause a fatality or a serious incident, which is yeah. the, the battle of the transition or the journey that we're going through in safety right now is, is having is understanding that we need to focus on the big stuff, never lose the focus on the big stuff. So you yeah. can, you can see the flaws in humans, which you're trying to repair, but like you say, you just need to acknowledge them and say, we don't want to, copy those flaws into a computer that's you know twice as it more intelligent than us um because i think when you get like there's the relationship between the two is interesting to me because i think i i, I was listening to it but i think i mentioned to you last time like when we look at this and we're going on and, and that really interesting thing is you're saying like the biases of the, of the kind of, you know, the, the person that makes it just gets inherited by the machine is just mind blowing a little bit scary. Like you have to really make sure that the person writing this algorithm is not a complete dickhead, you know, otherwise you just, I mean, like the risk there is massive. Um, so, and that just makes me think about this interrelationship we have between these two and, and it reminded me of this podcast I listened to a while ago that said, everybody thinks that the computers are going to replace the frontline workers. But this guy was saying, actually, what they're going to replace is managerial issues because they're, they're really good at making decisions quick. And I was just like, oh, that doesn't make me feel comfortable as a safety professional because work is complex and people are complicated and it's it's not as simple as a it's kind you know it's kind of like that greater good question isn't it is it better to kill one person or a hundred person well obviously from from a computer's point of view that's just doing the maths they kill one to save a hundred but with humans it's not as simple as that like morally do we want to kill one or do we want to take the risk and try and save a hundred like oh how do you even answer that question but an ai wouldn't make that that kind of moral decision yeah. it would just go well this is obvious it killed the one <laughs> you know what i mean I, so so the fact of seeing ais in businesses making decisions which is what this guy said on his podcast yeah. that makes me nervous so there must be some kind of oversight we also need that interrelationship as this continues to learn and learn and learn yeah from the human as well or yeah. humans so to speak 
yeah, look, I, look, I think I think this this uh, this notion that we're all going to be replaced by some sort of AI in, uh, or all of our jobs are going to be taken away. I, I think it's a fallacy. And in, okay. even if that were even if that were to happen, it's 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 probably centuries away, right? Um, like if you if you this this sort of harbinger of of fear, right? It, it happens at every single industrial revolution. So totally. like, they're saying that we're currently on like in the in the throes of the fourth industrial revolution. Every single industrial revolution before this, right? Whether it was the printing press or the steam um, machine or whatever, it, every single time they've said like these things are going to come in. No one's going to have any work. What are we all going to do? Everyone's going to become poor. But yeah. what actually happens? Yes, there is there is some. Uh, attrition of 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 work, but you it repurposes right. People have um, different skill sets can become more valuable, and people retrain and, and we upskill and yeah, exactly right. And there's jobs that you that currently don't exist suddenly become uh, existent, right? They start they start starting emerging, and so humans are always going to be required, right? And and artificial intelligence is good at a certain type of intelligence, but we all know that human intelligence is made up of so many different facets, right? There's there's the emotional intelligence and like which you alluded to, and and currently, right now, artificial intelligence is just very good at, at one specific thing. It's, it's particularly u- utilizing historical information and making predictions about what might what that might mean in the future. Other than that, it's, it's not very good. It's, it's shit at doing everything else, right? <laughs> and, and even the decision making, I would argue that what current AI gives you, it gives you options, right? And I think that what we need to do is, is then take humans. To, to use those options and make a decision, right? Um, but where you are starting to see some of this prevalence happening is in things like autonomous vehicles, where in a split second, some of these cars are going to have to make that decision, like you just said, right? If this car is now veering and, and it sees a, a, a kid versus a group of, of older people, what's the decision that it's going to make? Do I run over this kid because it's one? Or do I go into this group of people, which is 10? So mm. I'm going to kill one kid. But but this group of people might be might be older and 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 they've lived most of their life and this kid's got the rest of his life to go and so there are all of these nuances right mm. we would make, we would go into that and, and that's the the emotional intelligence that you were alluding to so look I I agree with you I I don't know I'm I I don't cons- you you uh, you you branded me as an expert in this I'm not an expert in this I'm, <laughs> I'm on the journey I'm learning about this thing I'm as fascinated by it as you are. Um, and I don't know what the right or wrong answer is. I just know that we've got a huge responsibility as a as an AI company, as a safety AI company, to make sure that we're doing as much as we possibly can to 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 do good, right? To or ultimately, we want to come into this and and save lives, right? We don't. What we don't want to do is is um, start making things worse, right? Because that for me that would be the absolute the absolute uh, most terrible thing that I could have done is if mm. we come into this and we're we're getting more people told off or we're starting to uh, <laughs> people are starting to lose their jobs because of this i genuinely want to make the industry safer by utilizing tech and empower people to be be part of safety i, I love the way you talk about it man like that utilize because it's actually like you say that, that ai is really shit at a load of stuff but actually we're also really shit at stuff like we're <laughs> not very good at, i can't remember what it whether it was a book or a podcast but it said historically humans are pretty poor at making predictions like we're not very good at it even the best people in the world that are kind of renowned at predicting the stocks and shares and all that they're really not that good at it like they're just a little bit better than everyone else 
And I think acknowledging that and saying, well, we're really shit at this, collecting data, analyzing data, and so on and so forth, getting that, use acknowledging that, getting an AI to say, you know, present me with the, you know, statistically speaking, the highest possible, you know, possibility or whatever. And, and I think as well, what you see in, um, what you see in technology that's really, really good it's like all this stuff around like psychometric tests, like the shit that comes out of a psychometric test, man, is just like, what the <laughs> hell did you, you asked me whether one plus one was four. And I said, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> You've gone, it's pretty obvious. You've got some really daddy, really big daddy. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? <laughs> How did you work that out? So like, I don't, is that AI or is that just an algorithm or what? Do you know anything about those? Or? Yeah, some some of it is so, so they're starting to use uh, AI in some of this in some of this sort of um, psychometric analysis and stuff like that. But traditionally, wow. uh, yeah, you're what you're talking about is uh, basically decision trees, right? So they're saying if you choose if you chose this 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 or this or this, you're, yeah. this is what you're, this is what you're likely to be um, sort of dealing with or, or facing. And so um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an algorithm, but but a much more linear or a flat algorithm rather than one that's um, that's that's yeah, for any sort of um, um, AI uh, associated with it. But um, yeah, look, it's a it's a it's a, a huge uh, sort of area and a space, and and I'm glad you, you talk about psychology because I think psychology also has an impact in in AI as well, and and that's something that's very rarely spoken about, right? The the sort of um, the, the the human element coming into AI, and that's another thing that we're looking at as well is making sure that when our bot is speaking to people and interacting with people, um, it's it's mindful, right? It, 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 it's not very, it, we're trying to make it as human human as possible. Um, so, so like we're trying to get it to be a little bit humorous and, and, uh, and uh, trying, to, trying to insert a little bit of um, lightheartedness into it. Obviously there's a sensitive balance. Safety is a very serious thing, but, but obviously the, the, I, but I'm a huge believer that if we can humanize it, we can, we can, get much better data and then the other element of it is also um, uh, I'm, I'm a real big proponent of um, uh, looking at the health side of health and safety so when usually health and safety comes together everybody looks at safety right because it's it's the one that has it that has the, the sort of huge the, the bigger impacts and things like that and very rarely does anybody talk about the health and so I'm, I'm also trying to ensure that we include that into it. And so we're working with psychologists uh, at the moment to see how we can, you know, simple things like asking people how they are at the end of a, at the end of an interaction um, and, and then asking like how their day went. Or um, there, there's, there's a few simple tools that we can do that can really, really change the way um, people's perception of AI tools uh, and um, safety management systems uh, are, you know. Wouldn't it be amazing if we like this visual learning and 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 kind of verbal learning and and written learning, all of these different types of AI, instead of using them to spot when they're not wearing PPE and whip them, wouldn't it be amazing if we and maybe someone would be like, "This is the breach of privacy," and maybe it is, and I'm I'm just thinking out loud, but like, what if we if we utilize these systems, be able to pick up those subtleties? in a change in the way you typed an email or the change in your posture or, or, you know, trends in people to be able to highlight, I think that person might really be suffering with something, notify the manager, FYI, I think Prakash is, is really suffering from something here. And here's the data to back that up. 
you know, we can see on this visual learning, his postures really change. You know, that's an indication for this. And yeah. do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like how amazing would that be? Now, someone yeah. might be like, oh, I don't want a, a computer working out whether I've got mental health, you know, challenges. But yeah. if I think of it from a, from a, what we're trying to do in mental health is to try and acknowledge, uh, try and educate our managers to be able to build relationships, to be able to spot these things. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a system that was there to look after our people? Not not yeah. to and, and maybe that was the original intent of things like iRobot and then you know and then they ended up killing us all. But do you know what I mean? It's like that would be so much nicer to see. And, and I, I, I completely agree with you. And, and so this so this, so this new sort of track that we're going down to safety AI is 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 the very beginnings of that. And look, I'm not gonna say I'm professing the fact that we've 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 solved it, but the, the um, um, inception or the, uh, the whole premise of that is exactly that, right? Is to start um, spotting some of these things, um, even in the subtle, like you mentioned, the subtle way in which they respond um, has the length of their reply suddenly got shorter. Does that mean that 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 they're, that they've that they're thinking about something else and, and they've reduced what they want to say? So there's obviously a change in behavior there. Can we can we say something about that? Um, the other element of it, I guess, is that you don't necessarily have to um, alert a manager, right? Because you remember this this bot, what we're trying to get it to do is almost become your friend. So the bot might be able to, like, you know, say, do you want to phone this number or do you want me yeah. to inform a manager? Do you like, do you know what I mean? There's other ways of doing it instead of just um, without their permission, um, high flagging that they've got it use their permission to say okay mm -hmm. these are the, all the tools and these are uh, uh, advise them that they maybe should go and speak to their manager right rather than do it for them take don't take the decision away from them so look there's and i'm learning about all this as well right this is a new this is a completely new uh, minefield for me to to be going into but again it's another fascinating area and a huge one because it concentrates on the health part of health and safety mm. oh i love that that's exciting that's exciting and, I, and I, 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 that's what I mean. When I look at this stuff, I feel like there's so much potential in this. Yeah. We've just yeah. got to utilize it for the right things. And, I, and, and for me, I think that it's that it's, it comes back to what you talk about. It's that how can we use this to complement the human as opposed to control probably is the best word. Um, yeah. And, and how do we, how do we kind of make this work for the human? There's so many times that we, and I think the other thing you said earlier, actually, which I thought was really powerful, which is funny because I had that exact same line come off my mentor the other day when we were talking about stuff. And, and she was like, we need to work out what the problem is before we get the solution. Like safety people can be so solutions focused, like, oh, there's a solution. And they don't even know what the problem is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny you just said that the tech industry pretty much can do the yeah. same sometimes. All the time, right? There's so many people... I've met like in my day job, right, in, in developing and, and identifying and deploying digital tools, right? So many people come to me pitching different tools or whatever. And it's like, okay, like you've got this fantastic and, and very, very smart, clever piece of technology, but what's the problem that you set out to solve? You're, it's like you developed this technology and now you're looking for a problem that is going to apply to you. And I, that is just us about it, right? That's totally the wrong way of <laughs> looking at it. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm a huge advocate and it frustrates me massively, right? It frustrates me hugely when um, when people are trying to go through this sort of digital transformation and that, and they've already made their mind up that, that I want I want this type of software, this technology, mm. or this piece of hardware or whatever, because they've seen their mates use it or their competitors using it or someone. They're not looking at 
their own particular uh, program, project, company, industry, and say, actually, these are the problems that, that we need to solve. These are the things that are going to uh, uh, be the most value add for us. And so let's look at what technologies are out there, or maybe even develop our own technologies to solve this particular problem. And and uh, that for me, that's the fundamental problem, right? Is 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 that people are are forgetting that there's a that they 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 have issues and some issues, right? Don't forget, yeah, they don't have to have a technological solution. Some some issues or problems, um, you can solve by simply um, changing a procedure or 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 there's there's so. Innovation at the moment, right, is just become synonymous with technological innovation, right? Technological development. People automatically think that innovation equals technology, and it doesn't, right? You can have innovation in processes, you can have innovation in procedures. There's there's lots of different people. ways of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people exactly, right? So, okay, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Then, what what problem are you, what problem are you trying to solve? You've you've built a solution. Uh, answer yeah. your answer your own question. Then, what what problem are you trying to solve? So there's, I think, I think it's, it's multifold, right? One, um, safety management systems um, are are the preserve of safety safety professionals, right? I think, and I think that the my, the problem I'm trying to solve is how do we democratize that? How do we get more people involved and take responsibility for their own safety as well as the safety of their colleagues? And so I I believe truly believe that that's down to the way people interact with that system, right? The current way of doing it is very database driven. It's it's driven by people who can understand, who know the lingo, who've been trained on the lingo. So I want to change that completely and make it the same way that you send a text message to a friend or your missus or whatever. I want them to be able to interact with, say, our safety bot in that same way and help to manage safety, be part of the, the, the safety solution. I think the other part of it is that most systems are very selfish, right? They always take, they, they always want you to input data, input data, input data, and then somebody in the background that analyzes that data and makes some decisions on it. Yeah. So what I want to do is, is to start pushing data back out to people using the same intuitive interface, interface, right? So um, when the data is coming in, we'll analyze it, and in, in some parts, the, analy- the analysis will be automated through a different version of AI. It'll start spotting trends and patterns, and it'll start pushing this, um, these, these trends and that back out to people. So they feel like they're getting something back out from it, right? So it's not a one-way street. It's not that I'm just putting this stuff into this black hole. Actually, the more I put in, the more stuff I'll get back out. The, the, I'll get interesting tidbits back. I'll get interesting insights. So you can actually see how you're contributing to making a difference. Mm, okay. Yeah. I think that, isn't that funny? You're trying to, you're trying to kind of personalize a safety management system with an AI. To me, that, that just sounds so ironic, doesn't it? But I can kind of get it. Like, that's so fascinating. Like, when you're. I haven't because, thought about that. That's a, that's a, such, that is a very, very good point. That's a, that's a fantastic perspective. Um, yeah, no, I can see the irony in it. I can definitely see the irony in it. Um, but it, it's, it's kind of, I kind of get it as well. Like, if we go back to your original point of like, the, the biases thing so when you're making you're writing something and, and your bias goes into that well safety management systems will be exactly the same if i'm writing a safety management system it will be towards my biases which are definitely more relate the more softer side of things more relationship focused more social psychology kind of focus more people centered but if you're not that way inclined you're much more kind of procedural driven systems driven you're much more an engineered kind of background 
then maybe the biases will be more procedural, more command and control. I don't know. I'm thinking out loud, but you get what I'm going with this. Um, And traditionally, safety has been so biased towards compliance and command and control. So that be a problem. And then what we're trying to do is say, well, how do we kind of make that socially accessible to all of the workforce? It's kind of like, well, remove the bias. Where's the bias? The bias is a human. So let's put it. And, and I'm just like, it makes sense to a point. I get what you're saying. Kind of. And also it, to a point is like, it, it just given us the, the better data and benefit to, to inform our safety management system. Like all yep. the conversations that we, you know, if you're having these conversations with a bot and at the same time, the bot's building you a psychometric profile as well of your company, you know, like as long as we take that stuff and it informs our decisions and not, and we don't, because, and I don't think it's the, it would be the bot's fault. I think it would be human's fault. I think what will happen is we're nice and lazy. So we'll just go, I want that bot to tell me what to do. Yeah. I don't want to make the decision. And then when something goes wrong, I can go, well, the bot told me, yeah, the bot, the bot told me to do that. Like kind of humans need to take a bit of responsibility here, don't we? And, and let that, the, the, the AI kind of enable us, don't you think? Yeah, no, look, I, I love that perspective, you know, uh, um, and, and, and to be honest, I've never, I've never sat down and thought about it like that, but you're <laughs> absolutely right, right? So, like, here, what we're, essentially what we're trying to do, and, and, and I'm paraphrasing what you just said a little bit here, is basically utilise um, the uh, AI to remove a bias that we know exists, right? And we know that the bias exists because um, safety has traditionally been um, very compliance-driven, very um, punitive as well, right? We know that the problem with safety is is that, or the, the, the perception is that it's very finger pointing and blame driven, and we're trying to and, and people people perceive it to be like that. Whereas here, you can we can we can defer that to something that that actually isn't emotional or very personal. It's just it's just doing it from from the from the facts or from the data that it gets, it gets given, and by removing some of that. A little bit of that of that human factor, we're, we're perhaps taking away some of the bias. Um, but I really, I really like that. And maybe, maybe there's a there's a paper or something that we could do. To make it people centered, you need to remove the people kind of thing, don't you? <laughs> like you had to remove that person to make it accessible to the person. That's just fascinating in a way. Um, yeah, yeah. And we've got to keep it. And then to the second part, like we have we have to stop stop deferring um, decision making to uh, ai and things like that right it, it, ai i think is a tool in our toolkit to help us make decisions in the same way that there, there, there's lots of different things that contribute to our decision making process i think that ai is just one of those things it's not the thing that makes the decision for us it's one of um, a whole multitude of things that helps us and drives us to make a better decision a better informed decision mm. Oh, this is fascinating. And and you know when you when you really get into it, like you take some of the challenges we have in within within safety that I think a smart kind of visual and, and kind of you know the, the kind of written AI as well, that we struggle with kind of acknowledging the successes that happen throughout a day as well. Like so we as safety people, let's say your bot is not a bot, let's say your bot is actually me, the safety professional. Excuse me. And, and, and it, the conversation is so negative, like, like, boss, we've had an accident. What went yeah. wrong? Yeah. You know, what went wrong? Uh, what did you do wrong? I mean, what, what, 
what what went wrong to make this happen but you know everything why didn't we follow the procedure blah blah, blah. like yeah. and and in this kind of transition as we're going over to this new view safety we're, we're about trying to acknowledge what went wrong obviously and learn from it that is part of it but also acknowledge all the other stuff the, yeah. the context the presence of positives which is yeah. really hard like a lot of people have this argument around that phrase the presence of positives like we talk about have a look at the, what is safety or well, safety is what you're doing right now that makes us safe so the presence of positive actions towards being safer right and now people are like well how am i going to how am i going to count that yeah how am i going to go around and count that and for yeah. me i'm just like well that's something that ai can do do you know yeah. what i mean you know, yeah. to go around and spot in it, you know, the visual learning, the conversations we're having, you know, w- what was happening right before that happened, you know, we were yeah. doing this, that's a positive tick, you know, yeah. tick, count yeah. the positive, count yeah. the positive. So then imagine that dashboard that you're presenting the board or you're presenting for your decision-making that doesn't just say what traditionally all of our accident and incident data says, which is this went wrong there, this went wrong here, and we're trying to reduce the amount of stuff gone wrong. We have the stuff that's gone wrong because we need that to inform our decisions, but also we have all the stuff that's going right every single day as well, which is really hard for us to comprehend because you would be just counting stuff all day. Uh, yeah. But I feel like tech can really help us in that space. Yeah, and and, and look, this so you touched upon this thing. So we're talking to the psychologist, and it's about reframing some of the questions to be a, a, a positive light, and and also awesome. asking positive questions, right? So it's like, what went right today? What what did you do today that you're really really proud of, and that you'd like to share with other people? You know, so that so we're looking at at random times during the day, the bot asking this question, so then you can take that thing, so that that thing that they did right put it into a database that other people can learn from it, right? Where, so when someone asks a question about, I don't know, doing a crane lift, and then this thing, this conversation has been tagged automatically, that it's about a crane lift that went really, really well, it automatically will start telling them some of the some of the things that that, that went really well. And one, one thing that really struck me in what you just said is, is that you, we're collecting all of this data about things that go wrong so that we can make sure that these things don't go wrong in the future. But why don't we collect things about the things that are going well so we can make sure that things go even better in the future, right? So that exactly good, right? And 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 yeah, uh, the vision learning stuff, you could flip that quite easily, right? Why don't we spot the number of times everybody was wearing their full PPE? Why don't we spot the number of times there was or the length of time that there wasn't a single handrail missing or every single sign was 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 perfect, right? And you're right, that the, the AI rather than obviously if you were to do that as humans you'd be there sitting there counting something every single day and, it, and you could be pissed of time but the ai can do that and very 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 easily and so you can start picking some of this stuff um so that look that's a perfect uh opportunity for for us to um sort of start spotting the the uh, the prevalence of positive uh, within our industry mm, definitely definitely I can see it now. The the crash McPherson, <laughs> the, the crash McPherson. There's something there. I can see it. The the McCash, McCash. There we go. Got it. The McCash <laughs> nailed it. I can see it now, man. Maybe, your... maybe, maybe maybe we shouldn't send this podcast out, and because because we might have just struck on a billion dollar idea. I feel like I need to cut this whole section out because we don't <laughs> want to like give our idea away. Um... <laughs> but look, I, look, I, and I agree, and and. Uh, you know, we and we definitely need to stop moving away from being punitive and and, and being even within within AI, like you said, right? Is is using AI to start blaming people and 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 pointing fingers at people because it's not helpful, right? It's not it's a, it's not a, a 
constructive or uh, um, uh, uh, sort of promoting the right behaviors. Yeah, definitely. It just it just encourages that us and them kind of culture as well, and that that fear yeah. that fear driven culture, which yeah. which I think could be exacerbated so much when you've got technology involved in that type of that type of process. I love that you've got a psychologist involved like that. That's amazing. And you've touched on that a minute ago as well. Um, when you said about psychology, what was your thought process around that? What was, did you always know you were going to get psychologists involved or, or is it something dropped that made you go, shit, we need a psychologist for, for this process. So I've always, I've always wanted to make sure that the bot is, it has the mindful element to it. I want to make sure that the bot um, speaks to speaks to people on a human level, right? I want to get it away from. Um, uh, eventually, I want people to stop realizing that they're talking to a bot and, and feel like they're talking to another person, right? That's I always wanted to get it that way. Um, but the fact that we've got this person in, or these people, it's not just one person; it's two or three people um, uh, involved this early was actually by by mistake, by, by accident. We, cool. we were having a, we were having a conversation um, with somebody. Um, who'd worked for um, for the UN and they were doing some stuff and they said, look, we think that this app has huge implications in the wellness of people when they're when they're going into like um, uh, post uh, dis- natural disasters or post conflict areas and they're trying to help these people and there's a huge problem with um, with like sort of the the psychology of these people and that and we think that this is a great potential tool and so it sort of developed from from that conversation into what were some of the things that I've been talking about today. And um, so, yes, I've always wanted to have this element involved. The fact that it's already involved has actually been an accident, uh, but a happy I accident. I love accidents. I love things like that. <laughs> like I, my uh, wife used to work with a, lab- a lady and her IT company was called Serendip IT. Oh. It was like a happy accident. <laughs> and I thought it was such a good name. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and I remember saying to Sherry, like, that's such a good name. Why did she come? And she, because she kind of accidentally started her company. And then that yeah, was it. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, wow, that's awesome. I love a happy accident. I, do, I love it. No, that's good. It's good. And, and, and then the other the other element that we've, we've recently brought on board is, is a pure sort of data scientist, someone, someone actually nice. from the industry who's then taken an interest in data science. And that's another part that fascinates me, you know. Um, data science and data visualization, you know, like what we can do when we visualize the data in a different way. So rather than just plotting it on a, on a fucking Excel graph and then, and then saying, oh, look, this thing's been going off into the sky. There's there's so many different ways that we can plot this data that, that instantly gives you uh, an insight just by looking at it, just just by cutting the data and visualize, visualizing it in a certain way. You can spot an insight that a thousand page report wouldn't be able to tell you, wouldn't be able to explain to you. Just because, and it and it is a little bit cliched that uh, a picture tells a thousand words, but like some of the stuff that I can see that I've seen that can be done with data visualization, it, it astounds me. Yeah, it's powerful, man. It's so powerful, and and this is this is the like I I, I mean I, I love that you've got a data scientist involved because I think I think that for me I think every company should have a data scientist. It's for, for, like every department produces some form of data and graph safety does it finance does it everyone produces some form of data and graph and none of us have been trained on interpreting data managing data visualizing data anything like that and how to communicate the right message over in the most effective way 
So for me, you know, having a data scientist department or whatever, and obviously, you know, it depends on the size of your organization, but, you know, these big organizations, you know, this safety data that we're getting, it shouldn't be us processing it because we're shit at stuff like that. (laughs) Like that's not what we're trained to do. We, yeah. when none of us are trying to and some of us some of us love that stuff and you've probably got a passion in it and and you become good at it that's fine but none of us have been trained to interpret data you yeah. know yeah. that's like saying it just it's it's just a half-assed attempt to say well you guys have some form of data so you must own that data and then tell me what it looks like i'm just yeah. like how, how do you want me to do that i mean all i'm yeah. doing is I'm on, I'm on excel and then i just click smart charts or whatever i make i make a pivot table and then i keep playing around with that pivot table for about two weeks until it gives me something that i think is right and then boom that's it that's it and and i'm just like yeah put give that to the board nailed it yes absolutely nailed it and to be to be honest james it is heading in that direction though so so the more and more sort of um, uh, larger corporations that i that i speak to and and i work with are employing um, data scientists or, or people in that field you know um uh, data engineers is another term that i've heard mm. and, and definitely it's, it is moving that way right and and just simply because um like another cliche that data is the new oil right everybody knows that the companies that are the most successful and the most valuable in the world at the moment have figured out what to do with their data and most of them unfortunately have figured out how to monetize it but but i think that that that's just one piece of value, right, from data. There's so much other value that we can extract from data. And 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 as we transition into fully blown industry 4.0, the companies that are going to succeed are the companies that work out um, three things, right? One, how to capture this data in in a in a very efficient, structured manner. Two, how to store it and secure this data because that's something that's really important. And then three, how to analyze it and get some value out of the data. So most successful companies I think are the ones that are going to crack those three things. Definitely. Definitely. It's so, and, and I, and this, I think data is vital as we move forward. And I think you're right. You know, when you can be scared of it and I am probably a little bit like that, you know, going through numbers and charts to me, it just switches me off. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a story person. You know, I'm a verbal person. Um, I can't stand, you know, charts and stuff like that. I really struggle but, with but, that. But, but James, the numbers tell a story as well, though, right? Just so you got to yeah. think about, you got to think about like some of these charts and numbers, and, and again, going back to data visualization. So you can get this stuff to tell you a really, really story, a really, really compelling story, yeah. and actually very, very colorful formats as well, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be the 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 Excel chart that you that you're constantly used to seeing. And and this is this is exactly my point. It's like we've seen the kind of potential of a good chart and somebody that knows what that chart's trying to say through COVID, you know, professor Chris Whitty and his team and, you know, they've got a chart and and they explain it. And you're just like, when they put it up, you're just like, Oh my God, look at that. That is, there's lines going everywhere. But like, like, and he's like, right, here's how this works. You see the one on the left and that means this and the one on the right, that means this. And as we follow that line along there, that means this. And he's just like, Ah, and that's the difference is having somebody that really understands that chart communicate it across and tell that story. Because I think you're right, they can tell a story. But if you're anything like me, numbers don't tell a story. They just look like a blurred blur on a spreadsheet. And it just, I'm just, I'm, I must have dyscalculus or something because numbers just don't work with me. 
I can't do yeah. dates. I can't do times. Anything that numbers <laughs> are involved, it ain't me. Yeah. And, but there's nothing wrong with that either. All, but yeah. acknowledging that and being within a company and saying, we need a data scientist, someone that can tell me what those numbers look like. Yeah. And if the AI works to complement that by collecting yeah. that, then, yeah. mate, that's a win-win for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and to a certain extent as well, you can get the AI to do some of the analytics for you as well, right? It, it will mm. start, as soon as the data is coming in, it'll start spotting trends and patterns between the various different data sets that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that are coming Love through that. to it. So, um, yeah, it, it takes that element away. Some, some of that might be fear, right? Like you said, um, and and some of it might be incompetence as well, right? Not, and I don't mean that in a negative sense, just purely because that's not what you're trained to do. That's not, that's yeah. not. Oh yeah, totally incompetence. Like the definition yeah. of incompetence is me <laughs> with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and and so so some of some of that is, is also is also dangerous, right? People who aren't, like you said, trained to do stuff with this data, trained to do stuff with these numbers, um, actually trying to. Um, shoehorn them or fudge them into telling a story that they've already made up, right? That's another form of bias, um, which is, uh, you you alluded it to before, right? Where you take these pivot tables and start cutting them until they tell you the story that you that you think that you want to be told. Not exactly, not, yeah. Not necessarily what's actually there. Yeah, um, so, that's a great point. I didn't even think of that, but that is literally <laughs> what I just said. How can I fudge this data to tell the story I want to tell? That's so true. And we do that. We definitely do that. It happens in construction all the time, right? We like I, I know I I've I've worked in the industry long enough to know that like the, some of the commercial teams that that they they uh, massage the numbers to tell a story, mm. right? Um, and and uh, and it happens within within safety all the time as well, right? You can you you be we'd be naive to think that it doesn't happen, and so um yeah, so to to try and open some of this up again to democratize it um to to open it up to the masses, you know, um uh, I I think is is the right way forward. Uh, and and look, it's I'm I'm not saying that I've found that I've I've fallen upon the perfect formula to be able to do this, and and what I'm currently doing is going to be the 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 thing that that's going to crack all of it. But I definitely think that we're I've, we're on the start of this journey, and there's something in it. I I hundred percent believe that there's something in what we're doing, and where we end up in another five years time might be very different to where we're starting from now, but we've started, and that's the most important thing. Mm. Oh, this is fascinating. Oh, we could talk about this for hours and hours. <laughs> we could. And there is a couple. There's one thing I just want to address in what you just said, which I thought, and then and then there's one more thing that I want to talk about, and then, and then sure. we'll both we'll both go and enjoy our days. Um, the other thing, the, the thing you said there that really interested me was if you've got that kind of uh, you you said about you know acknowledging the biases of massaging the numbers and stuff because inherently. Humans are vulnerable to influence. You know, if we say, if, if your bonus is tied to, I mean, in, in my opinion, you shouldn't tie bonuses to safety, but let's say you did, right? You, your safety bonus is tied to the amount of accidents you have, right? And then your boss has said, you ain't getting your bonus if, if accidents go up this year. And then you put your numbers in and just so happened that gone whoop, straight up like that. And you're like, ah, oh, crap. You, or you've got a trend, you know, your AIs come up and it says you're, you're trending towards, you know, a mass increase and you mm. know, your boss is going to hit that fan. Interestingly, I think that an AI could not, not be there to, to catch out the, the person, like not to be like, Ooh, naughty, naughty. And, uh, and someone else can say, but actually just to say, you know, the AI has said it, boom, that's it. It's there in the system. So it influences the person to just say it as it is. You know, the, the AI has told me there's a trend and, and that's it. 
you know, because the AI is not vulnerable to that, but that, that bonus or the, the relationship with your boss or something. So again, we yeah. come back to that thing we had earlier is if we pick out and spot the biases and vulnerabilities of being human, which is, yeah. is, is you know, it is to be human is to have all of those things. Yeah. And, and yeah. we plug the holes with this technology. Then I think that's where this relationship and this revolution will be amazing. And, and look, so just on, if we take that example that you just mentioned, right? Um, and obviously, there's always there's, there's a million different variations to it, but let's just take the one that you just mentioned: is that that um, this this manager whose bonus is linked to accidents, right? He he shouldn't realize on the day before his his bonus numbers are going to be added up that 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 there's too many accidents, right? He should have realized on maybe day three or day four that this is the trend, this is the direction of travel. If I don't do something about it, I'm not going to get my bonus. And so, so the, the AI or capturing data can start helping you do something about it mm. before it gets to that stage where you've got to fight the numbers, right? So and look, this is me with rose-tinted glasses and, and thinking that everybody's really honest in the world and everything. But, but genuinely, all right, if we can enable some of these people, because I, I, I like to think that the best in people, right? I like to think that everybody wants to do a good job. Nobody yeah. wants to. Nobody wants to kill anybody on our in our on our projects. Nobody totally. wants to kill anybody, right? I genuinely believe that. And so, giving them the tools to help them to do that, right? Where where some of the systems can just get out of their way, so that these people can do their jobs in a safe way, is the best way of doing it, right? And so, um, with some of these tools that we've just mentioned um, around around AI and some of the some of the technology that's coming in. That's what it needs to do. It, it doesn't need to be there to start pointing fingers and telling people off or telling people how to do their job. It just needs to help them to do their job better, right? It needs to it needs to be a tool in their in their tool set. I love that. There's one last thing I want to ask you, and then we'll nip this in a bud. How do you go about that process of getting that AI to learn? Or what does that look like? Um, so there's a couple of ways. The, one, the way that we've chosen to do it, but all of it involves massive amounts of data, right? So you've, you've got to have a lot of data. Um, uh, up until recently, it had to be very, very structured. So you had to have data that was formatted in a very, very specific way. Um, it had to have, um, and then you had to also have a balance of data, which I alluded to right at the beginning, yeah. beginning to make sure that you don't, you don't introduce um, uh, confirmational biases into the data. Um, and, and I say it used to because now you can actually get tools that help you structure unstructured data, right? You've actually got AI tools that help you structure data, right? And, and which are which are really, really impressive um, and, and have another set of problems which I won't go into today. But um, yeah, you need a lot of data. And what, what you essentially do is that you um, split that data up um, for some, most of the time into three, but sometimes into two. So you have you split the data up into training data and then validation data and then and then um, you then push data back through again to just make sure that that all of the training that you um, that, that you've done and the predictions that you're basing off of it um, aligns to the training data that you've got right. So let's say let's say you've got ten thousand um, pieces of data. This is a really low number actually. Um, you'd split that probably 70, 30, right? So seven thousand and three thousand. You'll train it with the seven thousand, and then test it against the three thousand, right? Mm -hmm. So you'll say that it, that the the seven thousand needs to predict X, Y, and Z, and then when you what you do is the three thousand things, you push it through and see if it predicted and came up with the same answers as the actual data did um, for the for those three thousand. Um, so um, and then there's yeah, there's a whole load of technical stuff which um, which my 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 technical team and that do in terms of making sure that. 
um, that the quality of the data is good in the first place and passing it through various different um, pipelines to massage the data, take out spelling mistakes, um, grammar, um, and, and all sorts of other things as well. Um, but uh, look, I, I, I probably described it to be quite complicated. It's, it's actually not as complicated as people think it is. And how, I mean, you said seven, you said what, 10,000 was a low number. Like what, what, yeah. what, what's a normal number? It depends on what you want to do, to be honest. Right. So I, as, a, as an example, we've trained our bot on about 40,000 different data sets, uh, 40,000 rows of numbers. Um, and from that, um, our, our algorithms on certain questions is coming up to be about 97% accurate, uh, accurate. Um, which is which which is okay. So the more data you have, the more accurate your your uh, algorithms will, will become. Um, and then the, the beauty with um, things like machine learning is that the more people use it, the better it gets over time. So you can imagine as people are using it, that that same data then goes into your training set, right? So so the more uh, data that you're getting, and because our data is coming through our bot, it's automatically structured. The bot structures the data so so rigidly. So that it can just automatically goes onto the heap, and it makes our training process much more efficient. I suspect you you have to be kind of really cognitive of the mindful of the diversity of the of the not the data but the people doing the data. So like you must have to be really going right. Have we got all our ethnic minorities? Well, have we just got every race really, or as much different race as possible? Because we all have different tendencies and different cultures, different religions, different, uh, you know, accents, different, you know, you could just look in England, for example, and yeah. just the kind of stereotypical traditional, whatever, what I'm trying to, I'm mincing my words here, but like, you know, even if you just looked at like North of England versus South of England, there are yeah. cultural differences there, let alone, yeah. you know, where you are compared to England. So yeah. Yeah. you must have to, surely you must have to be really conscious of that as well in that data set. Yeah. And so look, we, we haven't gotten to that level of sophistication. What you're talking about now is some of the semantics and, and, okay. and uh, that, that drive it. But that, that's definitely something that's on our roadmap to have a look at. Um, we've we've recently started um, allowing people to talk to the bot in their native language. So we've got six languages um, in there. So um, we've got French, Spanish, uh, Hindi, Urdu, uh, uh, and Mandarin, and I can't remember the other la the other language. But um, so awesome. that automatically is going to start introducing nuances, right? That we haven't even thought about, that we haven't even uh, come yeah. across before, um, because of the way um, syntax, the the grammar. Um, the the local um, ways, like you said, of describing something. There's that, there's certain words that don't exist in other languages, right? And so they have to be phonetically spelled in that na native language, if that makes sense, right? So yeah, yeah, there's yeah. not a direct translation for a word. So an English word would would sound exactly the same in, say, Arabic, just be written in Arabic text, right? Perhaps. Yeah, and so yeah. there's all of these nuances that we're coming across, um, and and yeah, and figuring out. Um, how we deal with those, um, especially when they go into our training set. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And it's, there's a there's a whole other science around that as well. Because, I mean, just as that example you said there, like, it's just a couple of examples come in my head. Like, I was watching, um, I was watching a documentary about cycling. And, um, and, and in cycling, you have a leaderboard. And in this, uh, it, this was an, an Italian um, documentary. Uh, or was it an English? Yeah, it was an Italian documentary uh, translated into English, and it kept calling it a scoreboard. Okay, not a scoreboard. <laughs> you don't get scores in cycling; you get a leader. Yeah. 
Uh, and and that's it. And as how how interesting that little nuance was that you know in yeah. the translation it was kind of lost in translation, and then it it becomes something completely different. Like yeah. it's, it's scoreboard and leaderboard is very different. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you just look at like silly little things, like you know in England you've got up north that call a roller cob. You know, somewhere else they call a roll with bap and, you know, oh, yeah, or, or a butty. Yeah. Or a butty. Do you know what I mean? So if you get an accent yeah. being like a oh, Bob slipped, slipped on his butty and yeah. then up north, you've got Bob slipped on his cob and, and yep. the AI is like, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's, yeah, there's going to be, there's all sorts of stuff. And look, um, the, the, the other side of this, the flip side of this though, is that some of that we, what is what we call, uh, what we consider edge cases, right? And, and we're never going to be able to cater for every single edge case in the world. So that we, as long as the, the way, I guess, um, AI and, and some of this technology generally tries to work is that, is, is that if you can capture 80, 90% of the, of the, of the cases, you're doing really, really well, right? Yeah. There's always going to be edge cases in tech. And that's the reason that you constantly have upgrades and, and you get updates on your, on your mobile phone and stuff like that is that they, people essentially, when you as a user are, are testing the app, right? You're constantly testing, testing the app. And when something happens unexpectedly, people, people record a report a bug and things like that. And then that goes back in and, and that's another potential edge case that they've resolved uh, on how to do it. And, and that's the way that we're going to approach it as well, right? Is that, is that there's going to some, this stuff going to come up and we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it as and when it comes, we'll try and capture as much as we, or think about as much as we possibly can um, beforehand, but there's always going to be things that we haven't thought about. And I, I, for me, that's the beauty of it, right? That's, yeah, that's, cool. that's, the, that's the beauty of, of, of tech evolution. Yeah. No, it's so exciting. No, it's cool. I love, and I, and I think you, you have, you have good biases that, you know, the way you talk about it, the way it's kind of relationship <laughs> focus, the way it's people focus and, and the aim, your aim here is that the AI complements what we as humans do in safety and it complements the worker and so on and so forth. So I think in, in that case, it's kind of like, to your earlier point, an AI can absorb or inherit the, the biases of a person. You know, I think it's good that you have these kind of biases because they're good biases to have. If they're good biases and bad biases, and that's a good one, I think. Uh, I appreciate. I appreciate that, and and, and it's all it's all gonna stand to reason to see what what it comes out like in in the in the next four or five years. But like I said, um, I, I definitely feel like we're we're on a journey, we're on a path, and yeah. and it feels like it, there's something in it, right? Um, yeah. And 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 just even having this conversation with you, there's there's bits that that are racing in my mind about what I could what we could potentially do with this, and 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 that's what I'm doing, right? I'm just I, we're just we're just on this journey, and I, and I'm open. To listening to ideas i'm not so arrogant to think that i've solved it that that this is the only way to be able to do it i i really want this to be something that works for um safety works for our industry um and and ultimately helps us to save lives awesome i love that i love that mate right we'll nip it in a bud so do you want to give us a a, a little outro to your company it's, it's a, is the app available or is it still in testing or you know what yeah. so can people no. get get hold of it and if they can how how do they do that so, so yes, the, the applications are available um, on both iOS and um, the Android Play Store. Um, you, you, if you download it, you wouldn't be able to do much with it. Um, you'd have to contact us to set. To, uh, currently, you'd have to contact us to set up an account. Um, but yeah, we're we're very much in production now. So we're out of the sort of early MVP stages. We're at, we're, we're we've got a couple of pilots um, live um, with a new with a number of companies. Um, and then the, I guess the other sort of there's there's two there's two sort of different models for for our um organization 
One is that you just take the stock app the way that we've built it or the way we've envisaged safety to be managed. And then you can utilize it out of the box like that. But with most sort of uh, medium or large organizations, we understand that they've got existing uh, processes and that. And so we adapt our system to work with them. And um, cool. going back to what I was saying before is that the technology should work for you, not the other way around. And so we've made it uh, one of the biggest things when I when we designed it from uh, from the beginning was to make sure that um, our our platform was adaptable for people to utilize and to manage safety the way that they want to manage safety. We don't dictate as a technology firm how you should be managing safety on your project or in your country. Um, so so yeah, it's 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 available to download. Um, you can catch us on our web, on our website safety.ai. Um, safety spelled slightly differently. It's S A I M S E T Y because we're putting the AI into safety. Um, huh, and cool. we're, we're, on, we're on LinkedIn um, and on all the other social media channels. So, so yeah, you can um, interact with us there. Um, reach out to me um, you, through you if you want, James. Um, and yeah, happy to answer any questions and and uh, and keep on working towards sort of digitizing this industry. Cool, man. That's no, exciting. I'll put all the links in the show notes as well, so people can get hold of this stuff there as well. But thank you very much, Prakash. That was amazing thank conversation. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, it was, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Like we said, like, this was completely unscripted. So um, fascinating, fascinating conversation. Yeah, no, it's great. Okay, peeps, hope you enjoyed that chat with Prakash. Obviously, there is a place for AI, um, and people like Prakash are helping us kind of pave the way, and he's leading the way really himself. So I'm really excited to see what comes off his work. This is an all-round awesome guy as well. We actually recorded this what feels like a lifetime ago. Um, so I think it's about time I reconnected with Prakash. So if you're listening, mate, bell me, yeah? Let's have a chat. I hope you enjoyed that chat. hope you got some value out of it. If you did, Give us a rate, review, share, whatever it is, however you want to help us. We appreciate it. Subscribe, like, comment, whatever. Everything you do, we appreciate. Don't forget to check out Paradigm Human Performance HSE subscription service. And don't forget to check out their website with the Learning Organization webinar as well. If you're keen to find out more about what I'm doing, follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter as well. Go to www.rebrandingsafety.com for some more if you want to work with us. Or go to projectmeletium.com, also linked in the description below if you can't be asked to spell Meletium, if you want to just become a better safety professional. Otherwise, I'll catch you next week. Safe. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the position of the companies. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are examples only based on limited and dated open source information and should not be utilised in real life as the only solution available. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the companies. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic or otherwise, without prior written permission from James McPherson.